Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today... Well, I have two guests, two iconic pop culture historians. We have Tia Valenti and Garrett Chisholm. I mean, can I just say the little ditty that you just said in the beginning? I think the topic that we're discussing today um, encompasses all of the above. Yes. Um, I mean, this, this topic that we're discussing is something that Garrett and I have poured our blood, sweat, and tears to um, over the last decade. It's also one of the foundations of our friendship, I think, isn't friendship. it? 100% one of the foundations. It's like how we came together. And so we could not be more excited. There is a lot of impact on display today. Like, not to spoil the topic too soon, but when I heard what you guys wanted to bring to the room, I gasped, I laughed, I cried. I had many epiphanies. It's... It's, this might be, this is either going to like launch this podcast into the stratosphere or burn it, burn it or to the Or literally send it to the ninth circle of hell. And Drew and I yeah. have actually had numerous conversations about this topic already offline. Okay. And um, I just can truly think of no one better um, to host this round table than pop culture extraordinaire Drew. And here we go. It, it's very rare in today's society to have three great minds all come together to talk about something so like astrally cosmologically significant very rare a syzygy of like like stupid pop culture nonsense but today it feels just there's something about today like the the energy is electric in this in this zoom room right now to be honest, nobody should know as much about Glee and the Glee cast as Tia and I do. So we are going to open up some multifaceted issues here. Oh, well, before we get to Glee, I think we got we just got to do our first segment so we can get to this. Um, yes. We're going to play Go Call the Governor. Oh so, my God. What a name. Okay. What a name. Um, for those who are just tuning in, Go Call the Governor. Um is named after the Britney Spears song, Work Bitch. Um, I'm going to present Garrett and Tia with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history. And you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. There are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? Sound good? All right, I'm with you. Sounds good. Perfection. All right, let's play. All right, scenario number one, Ariana Grande is joining The Voice. Does the governor need to be called? I mean, do we still care about The Voice in 2021? Did we ever? I would say absolutely not. Yeah, I would say absolutely not. I mean, did we ever is a great point, but especially not now. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that we'll save the governor a call. Do you think it's weird for Ariana at arguably the peak of her success to do this kind of show? 
I was just going to say, I think it's a step down for her, to be quite honest. <laughs> I, you know, I think she has a lot more to offer. And a lot of times I feel like people go on this show, you know, to revive or promote something, but she doesn't need any more promotions. We are giving her everything she needs. I, I think I agree. Like usually like, I mean, not to revisit the tweet that was like, um, Christina Aguilera was her career in shambles, fat, nasty, and broke. She came out in this bitch mad as hell. But the whole reason that <laughs> that whole situation started in the first place was because she joined The Voice right. as a coach. Like, Ariana does not seem like she's in her fat, nasty, and broke era necessarily. No. I, I will say that The Voice doesn't plummet people's careers into the toilet to the same extent that Idol does. So, I mean, if she had gone for Idol instead of The Voice, I would have had a lot more questions. But yeah, I, I'd have to agree. It's in general, just kind of a confusing mm -hmm. moment. I do like that that was um, expertly worded Katy Perry shade. <laughs> <laughs> Gorgeous, dancing, oh, like, dancing around I her. I mean. Katy Cats do not cover her at all. No. Yeah, Katy Cats. He's getting forty million dollars a season. Like Katie is. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a little there's a cold comfort in selling out. <laughs> that I agree with. That I agree yeah. with. All right, let's move on to number two. A true historical moment. Halsey accidentally called for a second nine eleven after Pitchfork gave her album a six point five. Does the governor need to be called? Oof. I mean, I think the governor needed to be called when Demi Lovato accidentally called for a second 9-11 because that was super concerning. And, mm -hmm. you know, I fear, I actually feared for people's safety in that moment. But as far as Halsey, I mean, do we, do we need to, Garrett? What do you think? I mean, I don't think we need any news around Halsey in the first place is my own personal. Okay. Say, say that, but say that. I, I guess I wouldn't truth. say we we don't need to call the governor at all okay. I don't think that this I don't know I don't think she needs that attention I don't think we need to bring that bring that up bring that to light kind of just let that be okay. for those who may not be familiar in January 2020 um upon the release of her I believe third studio album um Pitchfork gave that album a 6.5 and Halsey tweeted can the base the basement uh, pitchfork runs out of just collapse already not knowing that they are based out of one world trade um so you know the optics were not great i was gonna say is she no. allowed to say that is that is she allowed to say that i think no i mean I'm, I'm her, fairly her entire pr team probably quit yeah oh on um, the spot on the spot i mean you know, to be fair, I, I don't think Halsey knows where like the Condé Nast offices are located, <laughs> but it is, it is very funny. I think it's, celebrities are like in general obsessed with 9-11 though, I think subconsciously or consciously, like. That's so true. I actually was just reading an article that was talking about like how many celebrities over time have claimed that they were supposed to either be at World Trade or like on one of the flights and yeah. it just like statistically doesn't add up how many of them have claimed that over the years and it's like why do you all have to make anything pertaining to this tragedy about you 
Well, I, you guys are Boston excellence. Um, fellow Boston excellence, Mark Wahlberg, yes, is yes. been very vocal uh, vocal uh, about saying that if he were on United ninety three, he would have just fought the hijackers. <laughs> right, right, right. There's no right. Mark Wahlberg. There's no need. We don't. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Definitely, definitely, definitely not. All right. Last scenario here. A gawker blind item implied that Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin are anti-vaxxers. Does the governor need to be called? <laughs> A, do we believe this is true? Okay. I don't think the governor needs to be called. I think we need to get Olivia Rodrigo on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Her and Joe yeah. need to get to the bottom of this. I think this needs to go straight to Olivia Rodrigo and the president of the United States and no one else. I love that. Yeah, that's, I love that. I, that I would agree with. I don't know really what the yeah. governor could do. I, I do. I actually do think that there may be truth to that, though. Yeah, they're they're just evangelical enough that, like, I do believe it. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know who to trust anymore now that Lee Allen Baker um, of Good Luck Charlie fame has come out and been pretty vocal about her oh. anti-vax views. Yeah. Um, and that was somebody who I... I mean, I famously was a big fan of Good Luck Charlie, so that one devastated mm-hmm. me. So I guess if she can, if she can like sing to those levels, what's stopping JB? You well, know, I was really bummed about Carrie Underwood liking all those anti-vax tweets too. Oof, like that, that was, was hard. That definitely soured my evening. I love Carrie. Under- well, I love her music so much, and to see that um, American Idol alum, yeah, and like how funny that so many celebrities don't recognize that if you favorite something people can still see that in the same way that if oh, you like, yeah. retweet it i think 100%. she like legitimately thought that nobody would would ever see those receipts which is hilarious no i it's just optically not a good look right now like i get that everyone is so like stand in the place where you were about their own like individual punditry and stuff but it's so like not the time and place to do any of that no and like no one was talking about carrie underwood at all no offense to her i mean she's great and definitely i mean like a a pillar of the country music community why am i why am i defending her like no please Um, don't the last (laughs) I i think wasn't the last time she was even like in the news at all when she like didn't she fall down the stairs and oh she yeah face in some way which is mm-hmm. awful i don't think i've heard a peep out of her since though i always thought that was like allegedly allegedly an excuse for her to just get work done work done which you don't need you don't need a crazy excuse like her face looks no. pretty some basically exactly similar to how it allegedly did before yeah, I think that's actually a common hypothesis because I, if I recall, nobody quote me on this, I think she went on some show and they like showed um, an image of her like after the fall and it was like not as catastrophic as she made it no. out to be. She, she made it sound she had, like, like a she, fat lip. Yeah, like she made it sound like she had like, like Wolverine claws across her face from falling down the <laughs> stairs and like, it's just, I don't know. She's a, a beautiful woman with a not so beautiful mind. Amen, amen. And the voice of an angel. Before he cheats, still slaps. I was listening to that the other day on my run. Absolutely does. That's inarguable. Old stuff really does slap. All right. We need to get to the bulk of this week's episode because this is 
it just it's urgent it's never been more urgent so we're going to take a quick break and be right back and we are back we need to move on to this episode's cultural emergency tia garrett what are y'all rushing to the er today tell us garrett we're here to talk about the glee curse the glee curse that by the way that by the way is so misunderstood and is so um just like not reported on appropriately in the media the glee curse is so much more than and like by the way i don't even think we really need to touch too much on the very tragic deaths that have occurred in the cast that don't aren't really a part of the curse the curse is something that started the second those cameras started rolling at paramount studios in 2009 and and lasted up until present day it is there are oh no go on Oh, I was just going to say, I think the curse started on the drives to their auditions for each cast member, the way that they have gone on to describe the way that that audition process worked and how crazy and frantic it was. It it was even before the camera started. I mean, the nature of the show itself is you get 25 theater kids all in the same room for a show about glee and drama and theatrics and performance like this was a recipe for disaster from jump it's no surprise that it has ruined the lives of not only the cast members but also like inflicted severe mental illness upon an entire generation of people oh absolutely i was just telling my friend right before we came on here that I like part of the reason why I need to do this is because I need to share my truth of how much glee like has obliterated mm-hmm. my time on this earth over the last 12 years. Um, it's not something to be taken lightly. It's mm-hmm. just very disastrous. And we will have a hotline for people after this episode. If your lives have been affected by glee in the way that ours have, you can call us. We'll talk to you. We'll airlift you. you some, a little bit of cocoa. Um, we're, we're definitely here for you. This is something that we're all kind of working through and talking about it helps. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. I mean, so t- I guess let's start from the beginning. Like you two are two of the preeminent Glee experts in America right now. And I was made aware of a document that you guys had set up basically for the the express purposes of this episode like I would love to hear your research reports and findings on the original pandemic glee absolutely Gary you want do you want to kick us off or do you want me to you you start us off you go for it I mean do we want to start here's the thing do we want to start with the show itself or do we want to start with the folks that made up the show because in my mind a great place to start would be you know us Italians like to say the fish rots from the head and I would like to start with um one of the core um main reasons why many people feel that Glee turned out the way that it did and it really pains me to say this as a former stand of this person um but should we start with Leah I, I think it's impossible not to. <laughs> I mean, it all it, it all goes back to Leah. Honestly, we need we need to start with her. Give her the, the airtime. Right. You know, I think I think all roads lead back to yeah. Leah. And and when I was preparing for this podcast, I, I I had the thought like, where did it all like where did 
what was like the pointed moment that we all said like something is really wrong here and to me and you guys can definitely weigh into me the moment where I knew something was awry was the 2011 Grammys does anyone else remember this mm-hmm. that's when no one no one none of the cast clapped for her yes oh, so, yeah. so she pre- she was invited to present at the oh. Grammys and the whole cast was there and Perez and E and like all the big outlets were reporting afterward, afterwards that not a single member of the cast or crew of Glee clapped for Leah. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, they, they clapped for Matthew Morrison, correct? They totally clapped for Matthew Morrison because like, <laughs> from, from my understanding, like Matthew Morrison like was one of the only like saving graces of the show behind the scenes who like actually tried to keep people in line and like prevent the toxicity from seeping into their veins which he ultimately failed at but I mean it's a losing battle it totally is it totally is and and I think a lot of that most of that stems from when you have and and I just think Lee is like such a lesson in how the person at the helm of the show defines Mm. the entire trajectory of where the show goes I think if Leah had been literally anybody else we wouldn't be in the position that we're in today yeah wow a life ruiner the fish rots from the head like it's interesting that you ascribe blame to her and not Ryan Murphy too who is legendarily a messy messy man with a lot of messy messy shows like and for and 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 I hate to be like I mean I hate to like cast all the blame onto a woman and I hate to cast all the blame onto her because again I I like am famously Aaliyah stan I own Leah's autobiography I <sighs> listen to all Leah's music like I mean sure I'm gonna come out and say it like I was Aaliyah stan prior to the horrible horrible information that's come out about her within yeah. the last year um but I mean Garrett like I mean do you want to weigh in about Ryan do you want to weigh in like I think it was the two of them together yeah, You know, I think he knew the star that he had and she really was, you know, a big reason why that show took off with her just raw talent, you know, and she, he needed her. And I think that she got a lot away with a lot more, you know, than she should have. And, you know, a lot has been brought up by multiple cast members since then, you know, now that things are, are coming to light that it's okay to talk about Leah Michelle now that it's been so many years since, you know, our last curtain call on Glee here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they clearly have, like, a hive mind together because she was on Scream Queens, too. Right. And 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 actually, if I'm not mistaken, um, I I believe that Ryan officiated Leah's wedding. So they're they're very, very close. So, I mean... There is... Go ahead, Gare. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that... Rachel's character was written for Leah Michelle in particular. Like he already had her in mind after seeing her in. Um, was it Spring Awakening? Spring yeah, Spring Awakening, right, 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 with Jonathan Groff. I totally so they, believe I that. Like that character, for better or worse, like I cannot imagine another person playing it. Like Leah and Rachel are so one and the same, right? To me, and I think to all um, people in culture now like you literally cannot think of Leah Michelle without thinking about Rachel Berry absolutely if, if you go on YouTube the amount of compilation videos titled Leah Michelle acting like Rachel Berry for seven and a half minutes straight like you could spend all day watching those oh, videos yeah. of, of of Leah Michelle as Rachel Berry in real life I mean and that's I feel like something 
why some of those characters were like so deep and mm-hmm. you know why I don't know why we were able to connect with some of them because I feel like Ryan wrote them for those actors like Chris Colfer's character Kurt yeah I'm 100%. pretty sure Kurt was, supposed to be, Kurt was supposed to be Indian and then like they had written that in the script and they completely when Chris Colfer auditioned were like they scratched the character and were like this is what we're doing we want Chris Colfer on this show a thousand percent yeah and I and I feel like that that like blurring those lines between reality and, and the show definitely contributed to its downfall because I think the cast, as we know, like had a little bit of trouble deciphering between their real life and what was happening on the show. We know mm-hmm. that there was a lot of relationship drama behind the scenes, a lot of hookups, a lot of overall issues that bled into the characters as well, which I think is definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just the fact that none of them were really famous beforehand. You know, they were all just kids like us, you know, with some some of them with Broadway background, but none of them really like in the limelight like they were after that first episode aired. Yeah, the, o- the only person in the entire cast who really had a really stellar prolific resume before the show was Jane Lynch, who got mm-hmm. most of like the awards love that first I think she won an Emmy actually for she, playing I, Sue Sylvester and a, did she win a globe and an Emmy I mean I wouldn't like, be she, shocked she yeah. was like an awards darling for the first few seasons and and I absolutely love Jane Lynch but like I mean Garrett and I both um engaged in a glee wind over quarantine and we're mm-hmm. kind of like re-watching the show fully for the first time and like it's just it really bums me out like how how much Sue did not hold up as a character in 2021 um like 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 in my middle school high school mind like I really felt Sue had a strong redemption arc throughout the series and like she became like this kind of like anti-hero like I I like was rooting for her at the end but she like I I can't get behind Sue in 2021 the Mm -hmm. bummer yeah I mean, just you could take so many quotes from her and if you read those today they are just not you know, a lot of things that she said are not okay, you know. Oh, yeah. Just a lot of very hard generalizations and, you know, very inappropriate nicknames for the cast, you know, and which obviously is, you know, the writers and not Jane Lynch. Not yeah, Jane, of right. course not. I mean, as, as a character, it makes every, it hard to love her so much going back and watching it. Well, every Ryan Murphy show has that, like, basically inappropriate in character like on scream queens it's um it's dame emma Mm -hmm. like her character i can't remember what her character's name is but like and on popular which yeah chanel and then on popular like it was like the mary cherry character like there are these like tropes that the creators work with but like jane lynch definitely I mean, in my memory, like i have not rewatched that show in, in a while just because it's such a um I mean, it's such a radioactive piece of content. No, <laughs> like, it's it's like, it's a like, mental toll to take on. Like, was it the smartest decision when I was already like, you know, in the height of social isolation to like rewatch this show? Probably not. I mean, so I can't blame you. And no, I'll, on, I'll be honest, when I watch, I stop at the end of season three. I just yeah. act as if when that cast graduates that show, okay, show's over. You know, I don't even think about seasons four through six like I don't want to think about those but you know season four though you kind of have to think about just a little bit because it does have the twofold insanity of Kate Hudson as Cassandra July one of the most demonic performances mm-hmm. ever put to screen <laughs> and um let's have a kiki yeah right Sarah well, Parker yeah 
which yep the the americana <laughs> the americana dance again um mashup that uh, well. that kate hudson does on that show mm-hmm. appears in my dreams a lot yeah no, my my friend of the pod, Arthur Shot Lopez, and I were just talking about this the other day because Dance Again came on in my car. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, they did this on Glee," and I was like, I "That mean, shouldn't be the first thing you think of." Like, there's no better way to out yourself as a Glee than to like hear a song on the radio and like only mm-hmm. sing the parts that were in the Glee mashup, yeah, and then like and know those parts verbatim, and then be dead silent for the rest. Yep. No. And the worst thing for me is like when a Glee cover somehow outstrips the original, like in the wake of Naya's passing last year, I find myself listening to her and Amber Riley's version of River Deep Mountain High so much to the point where I now almost prefer it to the Tina Turner one, or at the very least, I listen to it a lot more than I listen to the Tina Turner one, just because there's such a like built in, um, nostalgia factor for it a hundred percent i i feel like i feel like go ahead oh i was just gonna say even with that some of the glee covers charted higher than the originals oh yeah like some artists really have glee to thank for some of their songs being so successful like a lot of those songs were on the like i remember in 2011 hearing you know glee versions on the radio you know people were actually like listening to them on their ipods and you know downloading the glee version you know, Don't Stop Believing being like the number one song on the Glee cover being the number one song on iTunes. Yeah. Which in a way should never have happened. <laughs> no, like, I mean, yeah. that's I don't know why of, we listen to that. I'll be, I'll say it. I still listen. I don't listen to the, I don't listen to the version from the pilot. I listen to the version from the 100th episode. Yeah. Uh, see, I listen to the version from the regionals episode. I mean, how many times did they sing that Godforsaken song on the show? I know it's 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 so annoying. I remember, um, but you know, the it its impact was immediate. Like I remember, Glee did a very weird release strategy where they actually showed the pilot the summer before it aired. I remember. So that this too. was like I was in eighth grade. I think this was like May two thousand nine, and that summer I went to camp. And people were already singing the Glee cover of it at camp and the show hadn't even come out yet. I mean, how insane. And I and I also remember reading somewhere that when the second episode aired, since it had already had so much hype and then the second episode, the ratings were so high, they like immediately renewed for a second and third season, like without seeing how the full season would perform. Yeah. Which was like extremely bold, luckily paid off. But I mean, when you yep. think about stuff like that, and like how quickly these kids, they were kids, most of them. Well, not Corey Monteith. Except, not, <laughs> not, not quite, not quite Corey, not Corey but, but like, but they he comes across, that's true. But like, I mean, I, it's not, it doesn't take like a rocket scientist to figure out like why so much went wrong here. Yeah. And I think when, when like I was reading an article um, where Ryan was saying that Glee was both the very best and the very worst times of his life, I think that's yeah. true for for many of us. Yeah. Oh my. Well, because we were also like we were middle school, high school for the bulk of it, mm-hmm. which are obviously fraught years for everyone, and for a show that turbulent and like so obviously messy like that was a show you could watch at the time and not have a lot of like critical faculty or like 
ability to analyze TV in like actually like deep ways that like I guess we probably do now. You could see that show and be like, oh, this is really fucking batshit. Like this is really <laughs> like like why are they doing any of this? Like what is happening in any given why time? Why is their teacher like gyrating on them? Yeah, like, at their school assembly and like participating in their group number why is uh, why is Gwyneth Paltrow here singing forget you (laughs) as a Spanish teacher like Like, is Idina Menzel actually Leah's mom that was a thing that I that I did for a long time yep I remember going down on the AV club comments sections rabbit holes about that particular theory like (laughs) I and now like I I don't know I mean so I guess like who are your favorites in the cast and like or or who deserves more than they have because i think a lot of them okay first of all that that was a perfect segue because me and tia will both flat out say who our favorite character is and that is quinn fabray wow okay character that 100 percent deserved more deserved mm-hmm. better and also the, the actress. Yeah. The actress. More. Yes. I will give you that. Was she, Diana Agron was just in um, Shiva Baby, which was a very good movie from last year that got a lot of buzz. And Diana Agron updates the Twitter account <laughs> recently was like, we've never had to worry about Diana Agron winning an Oscar before, but now she's getting buzz. And I was like, as, LOL. As she yeah. rightfully deserves. <laughs> As she acting, deserves. what she went through on that show, the storylines, the character arcs, starting out as a cheerleader bitch, getting pregnant, getting kicked out of her house, you know, coming back, living with Mercedes, turning into a skank, as they yeah. so called her, you know, being wheelchair bound, dating one of her professors. When you know, she became, having sex when she became um, a Jesus freak. Yeah. Yes, a Jesus freak. Exactly. Like the amount of the, uh, the amount of, you know, character arcs and, you know, all over the place development she had like they just had so much to work with her on and oh they and just what about what about when they brought her back her. like literally as a plot device and to get people excited um when whose wedding was it i don't even remember whose wedding oh god there were like six oh. different yeah. weddings wait was and it the rachel was it rachel and finn's wedding when she got in a car accident and they used that as yeah the, that's what that's well, what that was the first one. That was the first one. And then I want to say, I truly do not remember whose wedding, but remember she hooked up with Santana. Oh, and that yes, was like, and I, then she, she just disappeared, never to be seen again. She had no other, there was no continuity from her last storyline from the Thanksgiving no. episode to the wedding episode. Like she completely, she was dating a 35 year old Yale professor and then comes back and hooks up with Santana and then disappears into thin air. Yeah. And then allegedly, um, was not invited back for the tribute episode to Corey, which is really mm. blasphemous. Why do you so. think that's interesting? Because okay. she seems like a pretty yeah. mild personality, though I will say she in real life was married until very recently to the guy from Mumford and Sons who got from kicked Mumford out for being Q and on. Wow, I there did not know is, that about him. There's a lot of backstory that we could get into as to why she was not invited back. And, you know, I mean, if you notice with her character season one, you know, she's in all the promo videos, she's in every commercial, like Quinn is, you know, the love triangle with Finn and Rachel and gets pregnant, like that was a whole focus. And then season two comes around, you know, during the summertime, Miss Diana gets cast as a lead in I Am Number Four, opposite of Alex Pettifer. 
right? A movie we all forgot. Yes, a movie we all forgot except for me because I stand Diana and have them on DVD. (laughs) Um, But if you notice, it was then when she starts getting cast in outside roles besides Glee that her character starts disappearing on the show. You know, there are episodes Mm -hmm. that she just straight up doesn't talk. You know, they don't know what to do with her after she comes back from being pregnant. You know, there are rumors that, you know, and I, I can't fact check this, but, you know, that Diana had suggestion, suggestions for where her character should go. And, you know, Ryan Murphy was not having that, you know, and went opposite of the whatever direction, you know, that they had planned for her. Which was no direction <laughs> at all. Right. Like, like, as we've outlined. Like, there was there's no, no trajectory to follow there yeah, yeah pun intended no there was no direction <laughs> i mean and there is you know as as every issue with glee being multifaceted like there is the you know alleged diana and leah drama you know like them yeah. going from roommate to you know frenemies you, you know and that is that is one of the rumors circulating you know that that leah didn't want her back for the Corey episode but again you know who knows what's actually made up and what is true i mean i can see like, I think it is well established that Leah Michelle is a difficult person. Like, you could tell me that she pushed Diana Agron off a cliff, and I would be like, sure. Yeah. I believe it. Allegedly, but I believe it. I believe it 100% um, that she would do such and a nefarious deed. Yeah. Yeah. Diana would never say anything bad, but, you know, I feel like from what, you know, Naya kind of revealed you know, she was probably in a similar situation, you know, with Diana as she was with Naya, but Diana's not going to talk, you know, smack. She's yeah, just going to go mean, on with And thankfully Naya did. I was going to say yeah, Naya's autobiography, Naya. like we are forever indebted mm-hmm. to her for that. Um, the whistleblower of the entire operation. A hundred and ten percent. Like, mm-hmm. like the, the insight that I gleaned from reading that book is completely unparalleled to anything else that anyone in the Glee cast has ever come mm-hmm. forward and said. Um, because she was honestly like and as she should be was totally reckless in that book in terms of like what she was willing to say about Mm -hmm. Leah Mm -hmm. and I thank her for that because she that she was she totally was the whistleblower like two or three years in advance of when it actually came yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I feel like none of the cast was talking about anything you know in relate like they were silent about Glee up until like the past five years you know, like nobody ever talked about their experiences. Like there was no gossip. And then suddenly Naya drops that book and the cast is like, all right, you know, Finally. she did that. Yeah, Which exactly. like, I genuinely think the reason why none of them could talk about it was like a few reasons. First of all, they probably had NDA, like they yeah. probably had something that expired recently because it's been long enough. But I also think they all like needed to heal from that period of their life. I don't think, I don't think any of them like were able to process what they were going through in the moment. And I think when the show ended, they were like, wait that was actually super fucked up and traumatic yeah it, I couldn't more. It, it's like really insane how much trauma that one show generated and like since the naya floodgates opens like so many other people have gone on record about how crazy that set was like m- mostly kevin McHale. Jenna Ushkowitz yeah. and Amber Riley to a lesser extent, but most funnily, Amber Riley. <laughs> Amber is funny in what yeah. she doesn't say. Yeah, I was gonna say Amber says so much by saying so little. Like she'll just like drop a gif every now and then, oh, and like the gif that she tweeted. That was iconic. Yeah. yeah, she really did that. Like, but I will say, yeah, Jenna, Jenna, and Kevin 
are absolutely hysterical when they talk about the show. Like yeah. I, when Kevin said during my rewatch, I, I fast forwarded cause I didn't watch the fifth season, but when Kevin talks about how he like knew that the show had reached its bitter end when they did the, what the Fox say episode yeah. um, featuring Adam Lambert, like that just kills me. Like knowing that they were fully aware, like they had broken the fourth wall and were like, we don't want to be here. Like we're contractually obligated to be on this stage right now. Like with puppet puppets of ourselves. It took him a while to come to that realization. Like, I feel like the rest of the cast, like by season four, they were like, all right, like we know like what the fuck is going on with this show. And Kevin was like still a gleek. Until, <laughs> yeah. Like, like he was like oblivious. To well, he was, was one of on. the people who they like kept her because he was, I guess, younger than the like okay. the Leah Fintier or whatever. So like he and Jenna were like the anchors through Right. Well, and I, and I think it's hilarious because they just, and Gary, I know you're about to say like that the continuity errors of like, they pretended that some of them were seniors when they weren't. They were all sophomores. Season one, they were all sophomores. And then by season three, they came around and Ryan tried to correct his mistakes when they did the Jacob. Do you remember? I think his name was Jacob Azimio. He had the curly hair and like did the the video logs. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That the stereotype. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of many in season three episode one when they all came back from the summer they were like they went over what everyone's graduating years were and suddenly you know Brittany, tina Artie, sam evans all became juniors when they up until that episode were all the same year and they even called blaine the junior president of the warblers and then suddenly he was a junior again the next year I just needed that is something that Which, does not sit well with me about this show. I but you know what is hilarious about that? I think all like it can fully be traced back to the fact that like Kevin, Jenna, and Heather were like three of the only people in the cast that were like unproblematic and that they like felt comfortable keeping on the Paramount lot. Like that's mm-hmm. that's like that's like literally the only that's the only like theory about all of that that makes sense because people everyone in the cast is like open about the fact that like Jenna and Kevin were friends with everybody like they were the ones that Mm -hmm. had they had like a party house that everybody would go to and like hang out at after work um and so like I just you couldn't bring Leah Michelle around like Melissa Benoist like there would have been a conflagration no 100 percent like they they had to remove anybody like anybody that had even the least bit of problematic nature like before all the glee project kids came like pouring in <laughs> oh god they, they the knew they just knew yeah that that mm-hmm. wasn't gonna go well it's it is psycho to think that in hindsight glee as a piece of content was so popular and so like beloved in quotes that it inspired a spin-off show where a bunch of tryhards desperately auditioned to get on to glee that's bananas to me right you know what's even more bananas than that that they went on like a nationwide like a sold out nationwide oh yeah that they then made into a 3d movie well glee as a like cast is i believe the third most charting billboard act of all time they wow. put like 89 songs, I think, something like that on the Billboard Hot 100. Gosh, thank that God. Show. I, I hope they're all still getting those residuals because they do. Me too. It. They do. Like, gosh, for all that work. I mean, because that must have been they? with all those dance numbers and stuff. Like, it must have been a really taxing show to do. Not least of which getting like slushies thrown at you by Leah Michelle every day. <laughs> like, I, 
when I, I don't, I, maybe they later on changed it, but I thought that I was reading somewhere that like Corey Monteith went on to say that he got like $500 from like the original don't stop believe in, like they weren't originally getting like the iTunes residuals or something. Yeah. They were like that. not seeing money. Like, and they were like, you know, I think a lot of them went on to be like, you know, we are not like singers. Like we are not like, they didn't want to like go on tour. They didn't want to do like a concert series or have these albums. Like they were like wanting to be actors and like got stuck in this like, that was an extensive concert and, series. Like, and, that was- and no one really got out of that archetype, really. Like, I mean, Amber Riley has a very successful career in like stage musicals. Like, I believe she won a British Tony for Dreamgirls. I think you're right. Um, yep. And she's, and she's, yeah, I would say she's the only one I, other than Leah, that like has branched out and been very successful as a solo artist. But Le- even Leah, I feel like Leah's moment came and went. Like, Cannonball. Sort of an iconic song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her, I don't, I don't really recall any hits off her second album. Like, I don't even think that most of the general public knows that she even created a second album. Um, But yeah, I mean, like prior to her cancellation, she was doing like F-list Spawn Con, which like. Oh, she was the face of Sabra Hummus. Yeah, the face Which of Sabra and, and HelloFresh, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. HelloFresh, as every good, um, like, F-less Spawn Connor does. Yeah. And then she was doing, like, kind granola bars. Like, I mean, she had quite a few, um, mm. quite a few notable ones. And But I just feel like you you know that somebody sold out when they start doing that kind of Spawn Con. And yeah. it's getting, like, no likes. <laughs> And she, like, you would think that she would be the obvious star of that show as, like, the most iconic character, one of the more talented performers. I still think that, like, in terms of, like, talent on that show, Naya Rivera and Amber Riley are probably above Leah for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Leah's great, though. No, no. I mean, there is not a person, it is in argu- there's not a person on that show that isn't extremely 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 talented and I think a lot of them deserve to have more success after the show than they did I think I guess we are ignoring like the actual big success story who does get prestige tv stuff which is Darren Chris well this is true okay this is Darren Chris is a tough one for me because I think he is phenomenal in American Crime Story Versace. He is amazing. Ama- amazing in it. I find him just so odd otherwise. Like, I don't really understand, like, the choices he makes. Like, his vibes are off for me. And I'm really? just going to leave it at that. Yeah. See, okay. I, I, I absolutely love Darren because he famously owns a bar in Hollywood called Tramp Stamp Grandies, yes. which he frequents mm-hmm. and which I also frequent. And he's like nothing but nice and charismatic and awesome. And I also do know, this has always stuck out to me, um, that tourists who went on the Paramount tour, like when Glee was filming, would always say the only cast member that would talk to fans or at least like wave to fans was Darren. So I've always, I've always liked him since then. So at least we know he's like a good guy, a solid guy. Yeah. What were you- I mean, I, I when thinking just about, you know, when you think about like the, the Glee curse and, you know, what is, you know, broadcasted in the media, like, I feel like when I think about like the original Glee, like, I don't think about Darren, like, I feel like he was just unproblematic throughout his time on the show, like, yeah. you know, coming on in season two, like, 
I just never really thought much about him outside of that show. Like, I just, I don't know. Not, like, not in the way that I would think about, like, Corey and Leah and Diana. Right. You know, and how they would be portrayed in the media. Like, I feel like Darren just never got that. No, totally. Like, I think in my mind, that- I just revised history to put him in the original cast instead of Mark Salling yeah. in a way, just because that. I mean, and uh, as you should. Hard not to. That's- but it's. Yeah. Like an interesting tidbit though is the first Glee cover that actually charted in the top 10 on iTunes was Darren Chris's Teenage Dream. Oh, such a good Or the first one that will actually chart in the hot 100, I think actually, not top 10. But like that, like that felt like the moment where everything really crystallized for Glee as like a total like monolithic commercial entity, I guess. Like, and season two is when it starts getting kind of bad. But like, yeah, I mean, there's a few season two storylines that we could, you know, it just the the writing really the, was different. But I, it does have a lot of iconic moments. So like one of my favorite Glee moments ever is when Leah in Sunshine Corazon, played by a Filipino actor, Jake Zyrus, oh. sing mm-hmm. Telephone by Lady Gaga and Beyonce in the bathroom. One. Yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. one. That was and, and that is. It's so funny because his character was like not on the show very long, but I feel like that scene had such an impact. Like I still see like memes and gifs. Oh of, yeah, like, standing behind Sunshine, like flipping her hair, singing, and like Jane Lynch like walks in the room and just says like "shut up." Like that really was. That was a good <laughs> beginning. Of the season. I mean, yeah, ble- it's so it's so interesting to think like the the scenes that like pop culture in 2021 has picked up on like the stuff that goes viral on tiktok is like scenes that i never would have anticipated like, oh, yeah. anybody caring about well i mean i the think one that i love that's oh, oh no go on. on go on oh i was just gonna say my favorite one that's made it to light it like is what sue sylvester saying like i'm gonna create an environment so toxic yeah. like how Such that one. one i use that all the time all, all the, the time. time and i don't even remember that scene i don't remember watching that but it's just so crazy right now and people really like go off with that one too like sometimes they'll change the entire caption and it's still funny just because like (laughs) she's so funny the other like more niche one that i've been seeing a lot like for the past year and a half especially is jane lynch doing super bass and that's that's what i was referring to yeah that's a a low point for the show like i remember the first time they had yeah, um, I remember the first time they with. with what he that super bass wasn't that a mashup didn't Darren Chris also sing with that it was like super bass and a song with Darren Chris his character oh, yeah she tells him to like sit down and then she gets up <laughs> very suddenly and like all these like bewigged cheerleaders <laughs> come by, come from behind and it's like truly it's like da da art like I don't I there's no logic there's no like like David Lynch would look at that and be like okay that's out there even for me like right that actually reminds me though go ahead oh I was just gonna say that's when Glee went on borderline to be high school musical like when they would just have random dancers would come out of nowhere knowing full choreography And they they sort of do that, like, in the first few seasons, too, like, especially at the, um, like, the regionals performances, like, they'll always have, like, dancers and, like, extra singers just, like, 
pop out mm-hmm. of nowhere and it's like who's this bitch who's that yeah bitch? it's like are there this many like, people in the glee cast that we just don't know right i thought you guys were struggling to find members like where did you all come from yeah it is funny to think about how there's just like we're only focusing on 25 percent of the glee club and then there's this whole other 75 <laughs> percent that yeah. we're just like oh, oh we don't who are these people <laughs> like and I was, me and we were just talking about this how like there are some characters like we were talking about sugar mata uh, and Joe, the guy with like, the dreadlocks. I, I couldn't even yeah. tell you who and, plays either one of those characters because I they, don't know how quickly they were cast to the side. They that, just were, they just disappeared for weeks on end. And I remember watching, I think it was, I think it was season four, like their characters had not been seen from all season. And then they have to go to regionals and they need, according to the show, the Ohio show choir regional, you know, handbook, they need 12 members. And Joe and Sugar just walk in the door and say, okay, we're here. And they're like, yay. Like as if like they hadn't just been gone for six yeah, weeks. Yeah, like y'all like, yeah, still went to McKinley because we haven't seen you. Yeah, exactly. I, I do remember, the only thing I remember about Joe is that he helped Quinn through her paralysis. That's like the one thing about him that sticks out to me. And he did a really good cover of Stereo Hearts. In- oh, I remember that. Yeah. That, that was... <laughs> <laughs> a romance that they should have developed i think that that was a missed opportunity for quinn's character yeah i in, agree in my- i really liked him they could i think that that route like for them to for them to create that romance between quinn and joe and then for her to graduate and come back like a bitch again like dating a college professor you know slapping the shit out of santana like I just feel like a missed opportunity for them to like create something with that character they also had Quinn date every male character on the show like I mean we haven't even talked about the elephant in the room Cord Overstreet like oh I mean I mean how did how has Cord not come up yet how I am a Cord stamp Speak on that. My favorite, yeah, fa- my he's, favorite. He, he's he's a Fabrevens. Like that's that is his OT. I, yeah, like he will go okay. down with that. I shit. think first of all, this is some tea for you that because I was Quinn. I fucking loved Quinn. Everything to do with wait, sorry, uh, sorry for swearing. Um, no, Quinn, everything, swear, please. What, okay. Um, she was everything to me. So anything to do with her, I knew. And the tea of this is season two. Cord Overstreet was brought in to be Kurt's boyfriend. So Court Overstreet was originally cast to be the significant other for Kurt. Mm-hmm. And then Gleeks found out about that, like, and started tweeting about it. You know, it was trending. And then Ryan Murphy was like, F y'all, like, we'll find somebody else for Kurt. Like, you guys ruined this. And then he kept him on to be Quinn's new boyfriend because of their on-screen chemistry. And I was there for that. I was there for that storyline. I think that Quinn and yeah. Sam... They are exactly what each other needed. I'm just gonna say it. I I, I, I agree with that. I liked I liked him on that show. I did too. I and that's, I think that their cover of Lucky is that's a top tier Glee song. And I'll yeah. just say it. I yeah, like I, agree. To this. I agree. That's so funny though, Gare, because I feel like that whole situation with the Gleeks finding out who Cord was coming on to be like started a snowball effect of like ryan like of all these gleeks just tweeting their absolute like vitriol at ryan murphy Mm -hmm. and then him being like shit like do we pander to these mofos like do we like how do we keep them how do we keep them like reined in and he would no he would like throw them some bones every now and then like he like he definitely threw like the naya or sorry the santana quinn thing was absolute fan pander yeah yeah Agreed. And even and no... even like even claim like staying together and like n- not really ever having problems 
was fan pander because Plain. I think they knew that that was like what kept people holding on for a second. They did a whole episode <laughs> dedicated to Clane stands. Remember when Sue locked them in an elevator and they made it like a Saw-esque, like you have to get back together or like we'll kill you in here kind of thing. Yeah. Remember that episode? Yeah. Oh my god, I totally that, forgot about that. Oh my why, god. Like, why <laughs> did we happened. just let that happen? Why did we They just literally let broke that the fourth wall. Like, and she was like, all of the Clane users, like on like Clane Stan 18 on Twitter, like wants you guys back together. Like they literally just acted as if like there was no show and we were just like pandering to like, the fans. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> like it's so funny. I like why A did we let this happen? No, I have literally yeah. no idea. <laughs> literally no idea and that was I wanted to ask like for you guys like what was the moment that you like just faced yourself in the mirror and were like I cannot in good conscience continue continue to watch this show I, like for me I, there's two there's two really notable moments the first one being um Will Schuster's performance of Blurred Lines <laughs> featuring yes. the Glee cast um the second one being which I think I don't even know if either of you we're still watching at this point but um when they made tina ko and shane chang have a crush on blaine and then yep. tina ko and shane assaulted blaine by rubbing vick's vapo rub onto him while he was taking a nap and then we just like pretended I... that that was okay that she did that because they were friends question mark and she had a crush on him uh, i don't remember like that, that. for me there was no coming back from that for it's cliche to say this, but for me, it was the let's kiki, let's have a kiki turkey lurkey time mashup. Like when that happened, that is basically <laughs> around the time when I just stopped watching. Like, fair I, enough. I, 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 I couldn't, couldn't keep going with that. Like, I, I, I did finish, that. but that's, yeah. For me, it was that episode, but it was Gangnam Style when they did Gangnam <laughs> Style at Sectionals. Is that episode even allowed to air? <laughs> like is that's that has that episode, episode been like ripped off broadcast like i don't understand why I we let that happen so. that's but the they, same just, episode oh my god and that's the same episode that episode that episode feels like it lasts four years like the <laughs> amount of storylines and songs because that's the first episode the reason that i love that episode is because that's quinn's first time coming back since graduation but oh. that episode when they did gongam style and made tina cohen chang sing the lead of a Korean song, I, that just was, I mean, it was out of this world. And having Marley, that's when Marley passed out on stage and then everyone blamed Oh, my her. oh I do yeah. remember that, yeah. God, there were, I mean, like, how many problematic things did they pack into that one episode? In the same she, episode, that's when, sorry? Uh, no, that she had an eating disorder because she didn't want to be fat like her mom. Is that what yes, we were told and, on that show? Yeah, <laughs> and, and Kitty, the cheerleader, would Kitty. like consistently shame her and say like, mm -hmm. if you don't starve yourself, you're going to look like your mom. I saw Becca Tobin on an episode of Million Dollar Listing a few months ago at your house. It was at, it was, it was at Alex's old apartment, I guess, actually. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, but I was just saying, I was thinking about her, yeah. Wasn't isn't she part of like that whole like white girl influencer tribe that like migrated to Texas? Yeah, the she moved. So she's an elite podcaster, and she and um, Jamie Lynn Sigler from The Sopranos, and I, one other woman moved to Austin. Like everyone's moving to Austin right now. Yeah, but she's very like mo I don't think she's a parent, but she's like very mommy blogger adjacent. I Correct. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if she's a parent or not. I do know that she's very good friends with Leah, though. Yeah, that 
bad vibes to me. Right. Her, that totally tracks. Her character. Her character really had some rough yeah. storylines, I feel like. Like they I feel like Becca Tobin's character, what well, Kitty, was like what Ryan Murphy like envisioned Quinn to be season one. Like that's what he wanted. This just like stone cold, like ruthless, hurtless bitch. And like that's exactly what they like made her character. Like she admitted, oh well, something else we could talk about. I was gonna say during the shooting star episode oh yeah which which should have been everyone's moment where they said no more yeah i couldn't finish that but during that episode that's when when they're all thinking they're about to die that's when she reveals to marley that she had been sewing all of her clothes like to be tighter to make her think that she was gaining weight like that just i don't know that did not sit well with me psycho story of yeah of her like trying to force upon this like poor girl like I feel like that was just no I will say I do miss like I just finished watching the Gossip Girl reboot and like I do wish that the reboot had a little bit of Glee's meanness and like the original Gossip Girl's meanness too like I do kind of miss when like teen shows had an edge to them even when the show itself was not successful and I think it's okay to say that Glee was not a successful program in a lot of ways, but um, <laughs> it it really did at least, it was never boring. No. It was like alienatingly batshit at worst, but like never boring. Even the later seasons when it did get a little ridiculous, like it still was like interesting to keep up. Like when you were yeah. a bleak and you were that deep into it, like you just had to keep watching, even if you didn't want to do you guys have anything else that you want to like touch on like from your document or just in general about this show gosh I mean I feel like we've covered so much ground we we truly I mean we we will have to come back and do a part two eventually because there's so much shit to cover I don't even think we scratched the surface but I do feel like we did put a lot out there and we did speak a lot of our truth do you have anything else you want to add, Gare? I like. I think that sums up. I mean, we could, I, we could go. We could do a podcast for each character. Like, we oh, could truly, go there. and for each actor, like for for everyone yeah. in the casting crew, well, like. And if anyone listening to this like wants to discuss further, like our DMs are open. Yes, like, please, please, please. Like, this is something that nothing brings me greater joy. This is a show that really big. Oh, go on. No, I was just going to say, like, even what Tia was talking about at the beginning, like, the Glee, cur- like, what the Glee curse is known for is all of these extremely, you know, tragic, you know, and awful things that happen to these people in real life. But, like, there's a curse, like, beyond. Like, there is yeah. a, you know, curse with each character and, you know, with these storylines that have, you know, come true and just all the shit from behind the scenes that, like, is so messy. Like, that is the true curse. Right. That is the true curse beyond anything else unprofessional one thing if you learned one thing i hope it's that that when you hear the glee curse and when you type in glee when the glee curse pops up as a shortcut like know that what we have covered today is what you should be referring to when you say that obviously our rip to all all those who have passed um but also okay we did not give one specific queen her flowers though and i just have one final question for this segment what is your favorite heather morris line from glee Ooh. oh my goodness because i have one locked and loaded here tell us dolphins are just gay sharks 
such a, that's a good one. That's mm-hmm. a good one. I don't, I don't know that I can, I don't know that I can pick a quote, but I will say, um, I recently watched the, the Britney Spears episode featuring John Stamos. And I mean, my God, mm-hmm. that's, that is an episode. Yeah. That, Definitely think, an off the rails episode, but a really so, iconic one though. I think that, but that was the moment for me that like Heather Morris signed, sealed and delivered that like she had, she had a lot more talent than they were showing. Oh yeah. And then once that episode was so successful that they kind of were like, okay, Brit- Brittany's no longer a side character. Like let's put mm-hmm. her front center. Yeah. Well, to go up, not to, not to go off on a side tangent, but they didn't, she, you know how she got casted on the show in the first place? Uh-uh. Cause she, she was on set to teach Chris Colfer the single ladies dance. Like she was one of Beyonce's like backup dancers for a performance and Ryan saw her like that goes back to the whole conversation we had about how these characters were written for the actors but literally like she's not in the pilot if you go back and rewatch the pilot like Santana is only there behind Quinn Brittany is not there and she shows up magically Mm -hmm. the second episode but yeah she was brought on for Heather Morris because Heather Morris slays which I don't have a favorite I don't know if I have a favorite quote that I can say directly but I loved when she before she had as as Tia said before she had like major storylines she would just have those like one you know, side comments. And there was one episode where they were all, you know how they would do phone lines walking through the hallways, like the Glee, the, the, the yes. Glee club, they would talking, like walking through the hallways. And there was one episode, like, I don't remember if someone was saying like that two of the Glee club members like had been making out and somebody was like, oh, they must be dating. And then Brittany goes, no, like if, if making out like means dating, that means like me and Santana are a couple. Like, and that was like before, like they like started dressing that storyline. So it was just like, so out of nowhere. <laughs> like, just Like, you know, her uh, being so oblivious to like to her own sexuality and like just being so innocent. Like I loved that about that character. I loved that. And and fondue for two, like remains one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. um, Lord Tubbington. Yeah. <laughs> she really was like the oh. secret comedic weapon of that show too. Like I remember the, um, that iconic fight scene between Quinn and Santana in the hallway. Stop the violence. Stop the violence. <laughs> it's, like, it's the funniest that's, thing That's in actually the world. what I thought you were going to say was the quote that you had on. Oh, Daddy. yeah. No, I stop the that, violence is like iconic. Like, that's a good one. Wait, and she always said everything is- so deadpan, too. Like there was no inflection in her voice. It was always just like so yeah. even, but so like delivered so well. Yep. Oh, iconic. I'm glad well, you brought her up. She is character yeah I'm glad I feel I'm really glad that we didn't skate over her because she always gets skated over and she deserves more I mean these days I think she's like a little anti-vax and a little she was like very all lives matter at the well and she did she did vocally uh defend Mark Sailing on Twitter too which Uh uh-huh yeah and, and Leah, has, I mean, not that Leah and Mark Stalling are the same at all <laughs> like she's yeah, and- like very down to throw down for her sisters and so. I wasn't going to bring this up, but she did, like, nobody ever really addresses the fact that she did, like, a very problematic, like, domestic violence photo shoot, like, where she was, like, a beat-up housewife, and, like, nobody talks about that. Like, these pictures are just, like, floating around online. Oh, wow. Like, I, didn't even, like, I didn't even know that. That sounds like a Tyra Banks I, idea if I ever heard one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And not, like, like, this, a, like, this was back before, like, there was, like, even Glee tea. Like, she just did, like, a side photo shoot, and people were, like, hmm, something about this, like, doesn't seem right. And just, like, when all of, like, the problematic leap has, like, has been coming to light, like, this is skirted over. Like, nobody talks about it because she's done so many other problematic recent things that, like, I'm yeah. just like, how do we forget? 
happened. Like there's just so much that we forget that like me and Tia could go into depth, like about like the people just ignore going on with this show. Like there's, there's a lot to talk about. <sighs> DMs are open. We also have to really quickly, we don't have to go into depth about this, but I do need the general public to know that Naya um, keyed Mark Sailing's car because I just think mm. that that's really iconic and deserves to be recognized. So let's give her some yeah. snaps for that. Some snaps for that. Let's sell it. Naya Rivera was one of the biggest icons in recent memory. And I'm happy that Amen. like her legacy has yeah. been celebrated so much and so potently over the past year. Like it really, like she really did the thing, you know, like throughout the entire show, she never lagged. She always like gave a lot more than it was giving her. What a talent, what a life lived. I mean, she created that, she gave that character life. Like that yeah. character had nothing. And she as an actress did that. Like they gave that character so much because of Naya. Like right. she just really was a talent. A total talent. And we do have to give her flowers for that. All right, I think it's time for our final segment. We're gonna play Tear the Community Apart. Let's so, do it. As if we have not already today. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, who else do we have to do? I know. Like, if, okay, if you guys are not torn yet, this, this last segment's for you. And we have a really difficult game today. So the rules are pretty simple. I have picked two songs, and you're going to tell me which one is better. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. Right. Sounds easy is hard this is probably the hardest one yet i'm not going to do a lot of intro to this which song is better baby one more time by britney spears or genie in a bottle by christina aguilera oh jesus i i already i know my answer yeah right, i think yeah i mean i i think i'm gonna go baby one more time i am 100 baby one more time zero questions asked okay the i am all yeah immeasurable that, that was also my first cd that baby one more time. By I actually, oh, wow. I had a, I had that on a, I had a baby one more time on my hit clip. Yep. There. Oh yeah. I had it on hit clips too. Oh my God. But there is a, there is a home. My family did, you know, home movies, whatever in the nineties. And there is a home video of me singing, hit me baby one more time on the karaoke machine that I got for Christmas. And that is what our Christmas video is from that year. Me singing Britney Spears on the karaoke machine. Oh so my God. That's <laughs> that How have I not seen that? You're going to have to send that uh, to did, me. That is hidden in the depths of my files. That will not be coming to light anytime soon. It it really was so impactful. Like, you know, with love to Christina, like we do a lot of Christina shit talking on this podcast, but like Genie <laughs> in a Bottle is a very good song and she has, you know, cute moments. Let's yeah. give her that. Here. And she's a singer, a vocalist for sure. You can't take that away from her. No, um, but she but, also, to bring this conversation full circle she did sell out and go on the voice and miss Brittany only sold out to the extent of going on x factor which is not the same and one season she took a dip oh. and i'm sure i'm sure jamie made her do it too like she got in and she yeah exactly yeah so true it's not like we can even blame her yeah i mean Brittany did do glee for an episode let's not forget her two second cameo in the Brittany episode yeah. yeah. Oh my, oh my gosh, God. that's right. Did Christina not do Glee? I feel like that's like something that she would have done. She would have had like a four episode arc as like- I feel a, like she must have teacher. not been invited because she, if she had been invited or Vale, she would have a thousand percent. They did yeah. her, I remember they did her music. They did beautiful Amber Riley saying that as, as yeah, a studio. Right. But just no, you can't compare to Britney. 
Like no, you know, can't. That's a, Bri- is a great song, but the, the impact of Britney is there's just no comparison. I just I've never gotten the Britney Christina dichotomy just because Britney to me so clearly outpaces Christina in terms of artistic output. Maybe not like mm-hmm. definitely not vocal talent. I wouldn't say that. I would never say that. But just in terms of like, I think like star quality, star quality, and just star like quality. cultural iconicity in general. Yeah, like exactly. Britney is a like and, Britney is a global icon in a way that I just like don't think Christina really like. Christina know. is a like I don't, and I say this with love. Christina is a legacy act. She is playing orchestral versions of her music at the Hollywood Bowl these days. Britney Spears has no interest in doing that. Britney Spears. I believe has several more top 10 hits in her. Amen. And Christina, I, I, I don't see it for Christina. Well, can you name, what was her last, what was Christina's last hit on the radio? Like I can't. Feel this moment, even... baby. <laughs> well, that was, that was her last top 10 What's single. That, that in on the- Wasn't this... it with Yeah. Yeah, well, I Pitbull. think it was Pitbull's song that she was- That wasn't <laughs> even her own song. Her because last... the last album that I- Oh yeah, go on, go on, go on. Let me. I was just to say I'm scarred. I'm scarred by Bionic happening. Is that's all? When I when I my memory of Christina has been tainted by that album. There are some fun songs on Bionic. I will give it that. It's very obviously like a Lady Gaga ripoff. Yes. Um. Her last little monster. Uh, I am also a little monster. I, I mean, who among us me. isn't? Like, who would ever? Come I know. Like, if you're not at this little point, monster, like, get over yourself. Her last solo top ten hit was "Say Something" with a great big world oh. in 2013. Uh, okay. So it's never. So it's always like featuring another artist. It's yeah. never like a Christina thing. Yeah, her last solo yeah. stuff that was just her song proper was 2008's keeps getting better which is pretty good i like that oh, one. i like that, that one that is, nothing on that bionic time. hit lotus did not hit and then i will give 500 dollars to whoever can name the album that came out in 2018 that features demi lovato and kanye west on it kanye west kanye west is I on have... this album no you could, idea if i had a gun to my head right now i couldn't tell you yeah, i would i should have known i would if no it's called Le- liberation it's called liberation um yeah, that tracks she liberated herself from six years of not releasing an album <laughs> but no i mean <laughs> you know she's i don't know what went wrong with christina like she just did a little too much i think like no back- I, I i think like going back to what we were saying she she had her moment and she was fabulous but it's different when you're a pop star and like your your star just keeps rising and rising like we've seen with Gaga and like we've seen with Britney. And She'll be iconic for that era. She'll always be right. known for that era when yeah. she was at right. her top game. And that's fine. That's fine. She just did too many sounds and stuff too. Like she, her first album's like teen pop. The second album is, it, it like it's easy to forget the dirty and beautiful are on the same album so it's weird yeah. that like there's no cohesion there then she did her like retro candy man era which is a fun era that's my favorite era yeah and yeah, then and bionic which is like yeah, that that's too, she lost too crazy too crazy for her and britney like britney's trying on a lot of different sounds in a way but like she has it's all felt cohesive she... yeah exactly Mm-hmm. Every album, regardless, has hit. 
yeah, 100%. Oh, incredible. Well, I think we do have to wrap up the episode, but thank you guys so much for joining me today. This oh my was gosh. This was so different. much fun. Yeah. This was the most fun I've had in a long time. And I honestly pray that you'll have us back because we do have a lot more knowledge to dispel on this subject and also several yeah, others. Oh, absolutely. You have an open invitation. Our friendship is based in pop culture. We have quite a few subjects that we can bring to the table. Incredible. I mean, well, so where can people find you on social media for more iconic takes if you would like to be found? Gary, you want to go? You can find me on Instagram, Garrett Chisholm. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T space C-H-I-S-H-O-L-M. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Tia Valenti, T-I-A-V-A-L-E-N-T-I. DMs are always open for Glee Convo. And please DM us because like Gleeks are so powerful. Like Gleeks have been forged in fire from this collective traumatic experience that we've all willingly undergone, but also not so willingly right. in a lot of other ways. So like, if you do have something psycho, just even a crazy take, please. Like I would love, we would all love to hear it, I think. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Zs, um, at FKA Pigs on Twitter with the Z and subscribe to culturepig.substack.com for free weekly newsletters delivered straight to your inbox on a variety of cultural topics. And until next time. I don't know where to go from here. I've never closed out the podcast this way before. I'm leaving this in, but um, peace and love, folks. Bonjour. Bye. Bye.